Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Happy Father's Day, guys. Listen, yeah. Let me just start by saying, listen, this message is for you if you're a dad. All the dads just kind of raise your hand this morning. All right. Um, okay, if you, if you had a dad, raise your hand. If you know a dad, right? I mean, you know, it, 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 listen, this is for you this morning. I hope you can get something out of it. First of all, let's just go, Lord, in prayer. And I just want to pray for all of us this morning. God, thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your kindness and your grace. And Lord, the peace that only comes through knowing you in a personal way. I pray, God, that you would help us all to become good, good fathers like you are. Father, I pray that we would uh, imitate you and we would become exactly like you are, the greatest father ever. Uh, give us all a word from you this morning. We'll give you the praise and the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' precious name and all of God's people said, amen. Hey, it's an honor for me to be here this morning. I got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't, I, I, I sing a little bit, but I don't speak a whole lot. So I'm a little bit anxious. I always am. I'm a little nervous, you know, when you get in front of people. But um, I just wanted to start off by just saying, man, it, it's an awesome uh, opportunity to be uh, Zach's dad and, and uh, Aaron's mom. If you don't know a lot of that stuff, let me just kind of some of you may be new, you're like visiting or whatever, you're campers, or I don't know if you know everything, it kind of goes on, whatever, but, but my wife's sitting back here, um, I, I married her 33 years ago, and, and we're from Alabama, okay, uh, no booze, please, but we're from Alabama, and uh, that's where we, we hooked up down there, um, we went to high school together, yes, they do have high schools in Alabama, they actually have a few colleges down there too, it's kind of crazy, but uh, we went to, went to high school down there together, and uh, we're three years apart, but uh, listen to this, I married my wife on her 17th birthday. That's what we do in Alabama. <laughs> but she had all of her teeth. And you know what? You get all your teeth, I'm going to go ahead and marry you right now. She still got most of them today, matter of fact. Uh, and they're still beautiful. But listen, uh, shortly, just a, just a few months after we were married, man, we had our first baby. It, it was 18 months later after we were married, we, we had our first baby. Our first baby's name is Erin, and she is the pastor's wife, Pastor Anthony. And Erin is just awesome. She really is, man. She was a good baby, and she's still beautiful inside. Now, I don't know if you know Erin. Some of you do, some of you don't. But I know all of you know pretty much the pastor, I'm sure. But I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I, I go to a lot of conferences. I hear a lot of pastors. Uh, I see a lot of pastors, hear a lot of pastors speak and whatnot. And I don't care if he is my son-in-law. You have one of the best pastors here uh, of anywhere in the country. He is awesome. He really is, man. He, I've seen his work. I've seen him the, the time that he's poured into his family, but the time that he's poured into this church, he's just a good dude. It's really hard to say that of your son-in-law. But anyhow, because he married my daughter. But anyhow, they have uh, four beautiful kids of their own. Man, I'm telling you, they are so be I'm just very passionate about my grandkids. You can probably tell that. My, my kids, too. But uh, then Zach's up here leading worship, and I'm just so proud of them, man. And he has a beautiful wife back there named Ivanka and a beautiful little granddaughter there. I'm just, I feel so blessed. And Dan and I often say this. Our kids turned out like they turned out, not because of us, but in spite of us, pretty much. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because, I, I, I mean, I, my, she's always perfect, me not so much. I'm just going to be honest with you. But uh, it's funny that... We married 33 years ago, and she's, she looks like she's 33. I look 73, and she looks 33, and it's kind of, I mean, there's nothing looking, you know, wrong with looking 73, if you're 73, but, I, you know, I'm not. I'm so, but uh, we were married 33 years ago, and uh, 
when we got married, man, uh, I got to be honest with you. We, you know, we were young. I was 20. I was, I was 19. She was 17. And, uh, and you know, I, to be honest with you, I, I kind of wanted to be like a, the boss, you know, kind of want to be like, you know, the, like a dictator type, you know, husband type guy. And I'm just being, you know, being truthful with you. And so one of the first verses that I learned as a husband is Ephesians chapter five, verse 23. Now read it with me here. It says this, for the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. I gotta be honest with you, I didn't even learn the whole thing. I just learned the first part of it there. You know what I'm saying? The husband is the head of the wife. I love that. Let's say that together. The husband is the head of the wife. I, I, I encourage you to learn, uh, to learn that verse, but I also mainly encourage you to, uh, um, to learn what it really is actually saying. But I want to say this, man. When we got married, um, like I said, I kind of wanted to be the boss. And, you know, I, I was a machinist. I was raised on a farm. And I went to, to, uh, to, to learn how to become a machinist and uh, didn't like it. But I, I, I did that for a, few year, for a few years. And when I first... We first were married. I was working in a machine shop from 7 o'clock in the morning to like 3.30 in the afternoon. Okay, I'd come home at 4 o'clock, and I was hungry, you know, and I'm like, where's my food? You know, you should have my dinner on the table. What, I mean, what, one, what, how, how's this going to work if you, know, if you ain't, you know, doing what I want you to do? Where's my food at, you know? And, of course, it made her really mad, being honest with you. I didn't see her for about three days. And on the fourth day, when the swelling went down, I could barely see her out of this left eye right here, just a little bit. So I had to come up with a different verse, man. That verse didn't work. So I started searching the Bible a little bit more. And so uh, I come up, and Apostle Paul wrote both of these verses now. So he wrote the one, he actually wrote the whole book of Ephesians. So he wrote that verse, talking about the head of the church. But then he also wrote this verse as well. Now it says, therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Listen, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So Paul here says that Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Now, what is a cornerstone? If you know anything about building a house, a cornerstone is the first block that's set when you're building the foundation. It's the first one, and all the other blocks have to line up with it. But what, he, what Paul was basically saying is, is Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the foundation of the church, okay? Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church. Now, and I thought this, did, did, did the Apostle Paul make a mistake? Was it possible for him to make a mistake? How can he be the head of the church? How can he be the head of the wife and also be the foundation of the church? How can he be at the top and also at the bottom? And then I thought, you know what? Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He's the foundation. He's the one who holds up the whole church. He has the weight of the whole kingdom of God on his shoulders. But then I started researching this word head of the, head of the wife, head of the church. And it, although it has several different meanings to it, this word, this word head, the ultimate greatest meaning that I found was it means, actually means foundation. So you can go back and read this verse, Ephesians chapter 23, and it reads like this. The husband is the foundation of the wife as Christ is the foundation of the church. That reads much better to me. 
and maybe I won't get punched like I did last time. Anyhow, so we're not really actually on top of the family looking down. The husband and the father is to be on the bottom of the family looking up at them, supporting them. We are the foundation. All the guys say, I'm the foundation. If you're a guy and you're here, say, I'm the foundation. That was terrible. Let's say it again. If you're a guy here, let's say, I am the foundation. Nothing to be ashamed of, man. You are the, you are the foundation. We're on, we're on the bottom. We're, we're to be holding the, the, the building up. The, the word foundation means this, the lowest load-bearing part of the building, typically below the ground level, which we're always in the dirt, below the ground, an underlying basis or principle, basis or beginning, starting point, main ingredient, or the cornerstone. So what was God doing when he created Adam out of the dirt? He was creating the family. He was starting with the foundation. Now let me share three really quick things with you right quick about the foundation. Let me just say this. One thing is there's only one foundation per home. Okay? Not two, just one. Any building has one foundation. It's just weird for any building to have two foundations. You just can't do it. Under the home or in the home, there's only one foundation. Now, the second thing is this. Foundations aren't fancy. They really aren't. Foundations are, are not fancy at all. Kelly, can you show them this picture right here? What is that a picture of? The Biltmore. Anybody ever been there? Okay, it's a great trip. It's a, like a two or three day trip, but it, it's, it's really good. I mean, not two or three days. It takes you two hours to get there. But you, it's really nice if you have a couple of three days over there to spend because it's really nice. Me and my wife have been over there a few times and, and really enjoyed ourselves. But have you ever been over there and you ever, you ever taken any pictures? You know what I'm saying? You, you love going over there and you take pictures of the front of the building. You take pictures of the side of the building. You take pictures of the back of the, of the Biltmore. You take pictures of, you know, you go inside and you take pictures in front of this wall and that wall. And you take pictures in front of, you know, the, you, you take pictures of the ceiling. You take pictures of the floor. You take pictures of the landscaping. You take pictures of everything except what? The foundation. I looked online. I looked for about, I mean, I looked at hundreds of pictures online of the Biltmore Guess how many pictures of the foundation I found? Zilch. You know what the foundation's busy doing? Just hanging out, holding up the whole beautiful building. That's what it's doing. It's amazing. It gets no recognition. It gets no accolades. It gets no attention. It's just sitting there doing its job, man, supporting the whole beautiful Biltmore. Dads, let me, let me just say this. You may not get the attention you deserve from your family. You may not get the attention that you need from your wife. You may not get the recognition, recognition that you need or deserve. Can I help you? Don't complain. I've been there. It doesn't help. Just hold up the building. Man, don't whine. I, I've been there. I've done it. It didn't help. Just hold up the building. I mean, seriously. Don't, 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 don't even get discouraged. It doesn't even help. Matter of fact, it hinders. Just, just do your job and hold up the building. You're the foundation. Hold up the family. Now, I want to I remind you of, of the third thing right here right quick, and it says this. As a foundation, you, you're, you're a targeted person. You really are. Um, 
is you, if you, as a foundation, you're probably more targeted than anybody else in the, found, in, in the, in the family. Now, how many contractors do we have here? Uh, anybody here contract this morning? Got a few contractors. You'll know this, in, in our city here in Sevierville, and pretty much every city, you can have a really bad leaky roof and they won't condemn the building. You can have terrible, terrible walls in, in the church or in the building and, and they, won't, they won't condemn it. You can have a bad floor in, your house, in the house and they won't condemn the house. You can have a, a, a bad ceiling or a bad roof, bad windows, all these things and they won't condemn the building. But you know what will make them condemn the building? If they have a huge bad crack in the foundation, they will definitely condemn the building. If they find the crack in the foundation, especially if it's big enough, they'll condemn the whole house. He's after, listen, Satan is after your wife and your kids, but listen to me, he really wants to get to the foundation, and that's you. Let me prove this to you. I don't know if you guys have read Genesis chapter 3 where the, you know, the serpent comes to Eve and tries to seduce Eve and actually does. And so Eve is seduced by the serpent and yet nothing happens, okay? She takes the fruit and yet nothing happens. She eats the fruit and yet nothing happens. She digests the fruit and yet nothing happens. But when she gives the fruit to the foundation, the world falls. By one man, centered, sin entered into the world. By one man, sin, and through one man, centered, sin entered into the world. Husbands and dads, you're the foundation of the home. Now, I want us to read some scriptures here. And I want to give us five more points, and we're going to be finished. This is, you listen fast, and I'll talk fast. But let's read this scripture here in Genesis. If you want to read it in your Bible, you can, but you can just look up here. It says this, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the, tr of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to work or till the ground. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord, made, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden and of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying of Every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you do, and if you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, I want to give you five things really quick, and, and it, it's not going to take long, but I'm going to give you five things that I, I hope that will help you as a, as a dad. And this is what, these are five things that God give us, uh, give us guys, or, uh, us men, uh, us dads, uh, and I hope these five things will help you just a little bit. The first thing he gave us was Eden, okay? He took the man and he put, it, he put the man in Eden. Now, what does the word Eden mean? You ever study the word Eden? Eden in the Hebrew means this, the presence of God. So he took the man and put him in the presence of God. And let me just say this, man. A man that's in the presence of God is a dangerous man. He can get things done. I'm just gonna be honest with you, he really can. So he put man 
in Eden. Now, God always designs the perfect environment for the product that he's uh, designing. You know, he, he designed, he, he, he made dirt, and then he put the plant in there. He made the water, then he put the fish in there. He made the sky or the firmament, then he put the stars in there. And I gotta be honest, listen to me now. Birds, birds don't, well, let me just go with fish. Fish don't have to have water. Oh, they don't, they don't want water, they need water. They have to have water to survive. Stars don't just want the sky, they have to have the sky to survive. Plants don't just need soil, they have to have soil to survive. If you take a fish out of the water, it malfunctions and dies. If you take a plant out of the soil, it malfunctions and dies. If you take the star out of the sky, it malfunctions and dies. And if you take a man out of the Garden of Eden or out of the presence of God, guess what happens? He slowly dies. Man needs the presence of God. The first thing that God gave man was his presence. So let me just encourage you, man. If you're here and you're, you're a dad, you're a man whatsoever, man, I'm telling you, take time to get in the presence of God. Take time to get... Jesus Christ himself was the son of God, and yet he needed to get off by himself early in the morning. The Bible says several times in Scripture, especially in Mark, it says, man, Jesus Christ went off several times to get by himself with the Lord and pray. You have to have time alone with God. Everything you do affects your family. Every decision you make affects your family. Every move affects your family that you make. Make sure you're making those moves and those decisions in the will and the presence of God. As the foundation, guys, of the family, we have to spend time with the present, in the presence of God. The second thing he gave us, now listen, the second thing he gave us is work. Work. You know that he gave, if you read Genesis, he gave man work before he gave man woman. Work is not a wordy dirt. It really isn't. It's not a bad word. God gave man work. And I started studying this word work out and it can mean to work or till or serve or labor, but the most interesting meaning that I found is this, it means to become. When God says to Adam, work, Adam work, he means Adam become. Adam, become all you can become. It's kind of like saying to an apple tree or an apple seed, seed become, and it needs to become an apple tree. There's so, God, God sent you here for a particular purpose. You need to seek out that purpose. You need to find out what that purpose is and become. Let me just say this, man. God gave you a helpmate when he gave you your wife. And if you ain't doing anything, then what's she gonna help you with? You've got to become, you've got to figure out what exactly why you're here and why God sent you here. The third thing he said is this, cultivate or tend. Listen to this, God gave Adam instructions to cultivate the garden and that's the instruction he gave him. Now listen, here's what he was saying to Adam. Adam, you have an incredible opportunity here to make this garden look exactly like you want it to. You have an opportunity here to shape and to mold this thing exactly the way you need, it needs to be. So in a year from now, listen, in a year from now, if this garden doesn't look like you want it to look, it's a reflection on you. 
Adam, in five years, if this garden doesn't look like you want it to look, then it's a reflection on you. How you loved it, how you tended it, how you took care of it. How many of you ever had a garden? A few of you. Uh, how many has got a garden this year? Anybody? Hey, a few of you. We need to know. We know where we're now. We can go, come get our fresh vegetables and, and fruit and stuff. That's awesome. But uh, we had a garden when I was a kid, man. And, and honestly, when, when I was a kid, it looked like the you know when you're a kid, things look bigger. The garden looked like it went forever. You know what I'm saying? We worked that thing. I mean, it, it looked like it was humongous. Um, and I'll be honest with you, even as an adult now, when I go back to my home place there in Alabama, the garden still looks big. It's huge. And I mean, it was like two or three acres. And I'm, I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, why don't we have to plant so much? Why don't we have to plant so much food? Why don't we have to have such a big garden? Our garden was bigger than any other gardens that I've seen up and down the road. Our garden was huge. I said, Dad, why do we have to have such a big garden? He said, well, son, the neighbors might need something to eat. You know, the neighbors might want something. I'm like, why don't we get the neighbors then to come and, and, you know, plant the garden and hoe the garden and, yeah, I mean, you know, stuff like that. I didn't say that out loud because I'd have got my head knocked off. But anyhow, um, you know, if you have a garden, you know that you can't turn your back on the garden. You know what I'm saying? If you turn your back on the garden for one second, grass will come up and go everywhere. Weeds will come up in the garden. And, and, and what it does, weeds choke out the life of the plants that's in the garden and keep them from coming, becoming what they need to become. What God was saying is this, listen to me just for a second. God was saying this, Adam, don't neglect your garden. Whatever you do, don't neglect your garden. Men, don't neglect your garden. Your garden is your family. God gave you an incredible family. Don't neglect the garden. You have to put in the right amounts of soil and fertilizer and water, and, and you have to make sure that when, you're, when you have a garden that you, that you get in the right amounts of prayer and Bible study and life lessons and wisdom, and you have to make sure you have to uh, have enough time for your, for your family and your garden. The way your garden looks in, in a year or the way your garden looks in five years could be a reflection on how much time you've taken with your garden with your family. Dad, cultivate your kids. Tend your kids. Cultivate them. Promote them. Be a promoter, not a demoter. Always speak positive into your kids' lives. I mean, don't dwell on what they are, but dwell on what they can become. Don't hang out on their faults and their failures, but, but speak into their future. Don't remind them of all their problems, but remember all of their possibilities. Cultivating them, building them up. Use the gifts that God has given you to promote your family and make them look good. You know, when you're the foundation, nobody wants to take your picture. You know, I mean, you're just in a big old block of, you know, or, or just a hard stone or a rock. You know what I'm saying? I mean, me and Dana, you know, we walk down the, the uh, sidewalk or something. Nobody wants to take my picture. You know, look, I mean, she, I've got her on my arm. I know nobody wants, nobody even sees me. They don't even know I exist. And it's okay. I'm all right with that. I love having my family 
hopefully on my shoulders. I, ho- I love being the foundation. The fourth thing God says about this is protect the garden. He says to keep it or protect it. Adam, there are going to be things that come against your garden. There are going to be things that try to destroy your garden. I'm leaving you in charge to protect this garden. Guard its perimeters with your life. And he's saying there's going to be things that come in, in the garden and try to destroy it. Adam, it's, going to be, it, it, it's not always going to be something ugly. It's not always going to be something hairy and, and with big teeth that it, it, you're going to have to fight against. But listen, Adam, sometimes it's going to be something beautiful that tries to destroy your garden. Most commentators that I read, if you read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it talks about the serpent, how uh, cunning it was. But most commentaries talk about how beautiful the serpent was as well. So listen, guys, it's not always going to be something ugly with big teeth that come at you, destroying your family. It's not going to be something like that always. This has a sign there that says, I'm here to destroy your family. It's not gonna, you're not going to see it like that. Rather, it's going to be something beautiful, something smooth, something sneaky, something that wants to destroy your family, something crafty, something subtle, something slow, maybe just one text at a time, maybe one phone call at a time, maybe one note at a time, maybe one one look at a time. Bible says that even Satan himself can be transferred into an angel of light. We have to protect our garden. How do we do that? How do you protect your garden? Well, I've got, I got one, I have one big way of protecting your garden. If you're a guy, man, protecting your family. Listen, number one, protect yourself. Protect yourself. If you don't have an accountability partner, I highly recommend that you get one. I'm just being honest with you. You need one, man. You need somebody to, that, that you love, that, that maybe it's a little older than you are, if you can find anybody. But if you can, you know, if you can find somebody older, you need somebody that's a little, that, that, that can, can help protect your life, man, where you can share everything that you are, everything that you do with them. And they say, listen, man, I don't believe I'd do that. Man, listen, be careful. Somebody, guys, listen, we don't, we're, we're, not, we're not in this fight against Flesh and blood, Paul says. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. Listen to what Paul says. This is not a wrestling match against a human opponent. We are wrestling with rulers, authorities, the powers who govern this world of darkness and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. For this reason, take up all the armor of God supplies. Then you will be able to take a stand during these evil days. Once you have overcome all obstacles, you will be able to stand your ground. Listen, guys. I have, I have a lot of guns. I have an AR-15. I, I'm ready to protect my family if it comes to that. I, I mean, I, I, I don't mind doing that. But I'm going to be honest with you. I probably will never have to use that to protect my family, more than likely. But let me tell you what I, I am going to have to have and what I do have, a prayer life. A prayer life. A prayer life will protect my family faster than anything else. I promise you, you're going to need a prayer life. Pray, pray, pray. We're in a war. Man, Satan wants to destroy your family. I, I, I know it. I, I, I get, you're, you're thinking, man, this guy's making it sound a lot more serious than probably what. No, I'm not. It's a war. 
One of my favorite movies to ever come out is uh, War Room. Anybody ever seen War Room? Man, don't you love that movie? Seriously. If you've never seen it, I, I highly recommend it. I'm not going to pay you way in, but I mean, you need to go see it if you can. Because it is an incredible movie. We have to find time to pray. You're like, ah, Eric, you know what? I don't have time to pray. Man, I work all day. Well, let me just tell you, you don't have time not to pray. Um, listen to a quote by Martin Luther, one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. Martin Luther says this. I have so much to do today that I must spend the first three hours in prayer if I am expected to get it all accomplished. Huh? I mean, so what? Yeah. I got a lot to do, man. I got, I got so much to do, I got to spend the first three hours before I can even get started on this because I, if I don't, I'll never get it all finished. The fifth thing is this. Teach or instruct. When... When God gave Adam the instructions for, to, for him not to eat of the, knowledge, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, guess who wasn't around? Eve. He, told, he, told, he was talking to Adam when he said that. Eve didn't even know about it, man. It was up to Adam to tell Eve about it. It was up to Adam to instruct Eve and to teach Eve. Man, in order to instruct or teach something, dads, in order to instruct or teach something, you really need to know it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like me teaching second grade math. I, it would be no way. I don't know it. You know what I'm saying? But in order to teach something, you really need to know it. Can I encourage you to be a study of God's word? Man, can, 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 I, can I encourage you to spend time in God's word? Spend time in God's word so you can be a great encourager to your family and help instruct them in the ways of the world and the ways and the word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. Look, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, seriously. But I listen, I listen to, and look, I listen to sermons about all day long. I mean, I listen to probably three or four sermons a day. Wow, man. No, seriously. I know who I am. I know how weak I am. I know what I need. So I listen. <laughs> I, wake, I, I, go to, I wake up listening to a sermon usually. I look, well, most of the time I listen to my daily Bible read when I wake up or read. And then throughout the day I'll, I'll listen to a sermon. And then at night I'm usually going to bed listening to a sermon. My, it drives my wife crazy. She's over talking to me and I got my head set in. I'm like, what'd you say, honey? But, you know, so, but... I know who I am, and so I know what I need, and so I listen to sermons. I'll feel, your, feel this. God, God wants you to have his word in your mind. Did you know what the battle is really for? The battle is for the mind. That's why Apostle Paul says, listen, don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. It has to be renewed daily. It's not something you can do, renew monthly or yearly or whatever. It's not like some kind of a subscription or something. It's daily you have to renew it. I want to encourage, listen, guys, I love, I love sports. I love basketball. I, I love Alabama football. Please, no booze. But I love, I love it all. I love every kind of sports. I, I love it. But to be a good, good father, you know what I have to love more than that? God's word. I have to love his word more. 
I want to encourage you, man. I want to encourage you to live in Eden. I want to encourage you to live in the presence of God. I want to encourage you to work. I want to encourage you to become all that God wants you to become. I want to encourage you to cultivate and, 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 and tend to your family and, and to pour into your family. I want to encourage you to protect your family through your prayer life. And I want to encourage you to read the word where you can instruct your family and teach your family. I shared with them earlier this morning that uh, I'm from Coleman, Alabama. Hartsville is just like the next town over. And uh, there was a deacon there in, in Hartsville Baptist Church. And uh, this happened a few years ago, but his, his little girl, uh, she's probably about five years old. She was on a merry-go-round. You know, there was some big old merry-go-rounds. It's huge, you know, and they're dangerous and, you know, have the big metal bars and knock your head. It's the name of that type of thing. Well, she slipped off and her head got hit by one of those bars and they, she was in critical condition. They took her to the, to the hospital there at Hartsville Hospital. Didn't know if she was going to make it. And the dad goes in, and of course, you know, he's incredibly just tore up, and he goes in, and he's, he's like, he's praying for his little girl. And he, he tells this story. He, he gives this testimony. He's like, he, he's praying for his little girl, and all of a sudden, God just said, listen, I'm not hearing you. There's so much stuff in your life that I'm not hearing you. There's so much, there's sin in your life. There's, there's so much stuff in your life and you're, you're so covered that I can't, even, I can't even hear what you're saying. You know, God won't, if you've got sin in your life, God won't hear you. The only thing he'll hear is a, is a, is a prayer of confession. He said, God got a hold of me and I started confessing my sins. I said, God, please forgive me of what I've done. Please, please forgive me the wrong that I've, that, I've, that I've done in my life. God, please. And he said, he felt God forgive him of everything that he had done. And then he started praying for his little girl. And he said, it was like almost immediately the doctor come out and said, listen, your little girl's going to be okay. She's going to be all right. Now listen to me. I have a beautiful wife back there. I have two beautiful kids, daughter-in-law, son-in-law. Five of the most precious grandbabies that ever walked the earth. One of them can't walk yet, but she's still precious. I've got a mom in the, in the nursing home. I've got friends in this place. I don't have time to be out of fellowship with God. I don't have time to be out of fellowship with Him. I've got to stay in the presence of God. I've got to stay in the presence of God. Shame on me. If one of my friends or my grandkids need my prayer 
And I'm so out of fellowship, so removed from him that I can't even feel him and can't even get in touch with him when I need him. I want you to bow with me just for a second. Guys, listen. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to come and pray. I want to encourage you just to make things right. Listen, it doesn't have to be any, anything hugely bad. It could just be the time that you've not spent with God that you need to spend with him. It could be the prayer life, man. Maybe your prayer life's not what you really want it to be. Maybe you feel like, God, I, just, I, want, I want to get there with my prayer life. It could be things that you're into, man, you know you don't need to be into. But can I just invite you maybe this morning as a dad, maybe as a, as a, as a man, just to come and pray and say, God, I want to protect my family. I want to lift my family up. I want to teach my family. God, help me to learn your word. If that's you this morning, why don't you just come on? You can just come to the altar right here. You, you're welcome to kneel. If you need prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.